Hello and welcome to the Women's Energy Council podcast, where we explore lessons and advice from some of the most senior energy executives, focusing on transformational leadership. I'm your host, Emma Shul. This month on the Women's Energy Council podcast, I was joined by a very special guest, our 2021 Canada Assembly WEC Executive of the Year, Heather Calvert. Heather is currently a board member of various organizations, including Widecap Resources and co-founder of Board Ready Women, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting board ready women in Calgary and wider Canada. With over 27 years of experience in the oil and gas sector, Heather has held senior positions in the industry and was formerly Senior Vice President of Corporate Services at Enerplus, a mid-sized oil and gas company. One key lesson that shines bright in this episode is that building of trust and strong relationships can be key to one's success as a leader, particularly for those women looking to take the next step in their careers toward board positions. Heather advises that networking is the most crucial first step. I was inspired to hear of the work she is doing with board ready women and the awareness this group is bringing to the Canadian oil and gas industry of capable and qualified female industry leaders ready to take that next step. I hope you leave this episode feeling empowered to step out of your comfort zone, inspired to work hard to achieve your goals, and encouraged to support other women in doing the same. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to this next episode of the Women's Energy Council podcast. Today we have quite a special episode as we are joined by Heather Calvert, who was our 2021 Women's Energy Council Female Executive of the Year. We are finally going to be able to give her her award at the Canada Assembly this month, which we are very excited to be doing. So Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And it has been very, I've been very much anticipating and getting excited about this award finally coming to fruition. So again, thanks very much to the Women's Energy Council for having me today. Such a pleasure. So to open every episode, we just like to start with you and your story. So could you tell me a little bit about your background and your career journey from your education to joining the energy industry? I would love to do that. Hopefully this will kind of shed some light on and help other women in the future. But my background is IT and being a woman in IT was truly a differentiator right from the get-go. And so with the background in it, in IT, I basically started as a computer programmer and quickly realized that there's no way I wanted to be sitting coding all day. I was much more of a people person. And so ultimately, I kind of changed careers into more, you know, network and microcomputer kind of related and supporting and training people on how to use microcomputers and networks and and all the software that came with that. So that was back in the early 80s. And so it just really gave me a great opportunity to do what I wanted to do, which is IT, as well as have that tremendous people interface. So that's kind of how I got started. I started at Suncor, a fantastic company in in Alberta, true presence in Canada. 
and had great opportunities to do that, as well as I was kind of helped with research and things like that in, in that particular area. So given tons of opportunity at Suncor to kind of develop my career, I had two children while I was at Suncor. And so I thought, well, you know what, I really can take these fantastic tools and expertise I have and start my own consulting business. And, you know, that'll give me more time to be with the kids, et cetera, et cetera. Well, needless to say, I left Suncor, started my own IT management consulting firm and was extremely busy, like busier than I ever thought I ever would be because I had some skill sets that were in high demand. And so that was like kind of, you know, and I'm not a person that says no very easily. So I was taking on these huge projects and having tremendous success. But then it came along one of the last organizations I worked for, which is Enterplus, one of my clients at the time, just said, why don't you just come over here and be our VP of IT, HR and administration. And I very, very much wanted, again, to have that people side. So it really made sense for me to have the IT and the HR and the administration piece. So I uh, started working at Enterplus, was promoted to senior VP in, in basically when I was 38 years old of corporate services. It was a fantastic organization that did $7 billion worth of acquisitions in a very, very short period of time. And during that time, I learned a lot about mergers and acquisitions too, and what do best practices look like and how do you integrate people and systems and culture into an organization? So it was an extremely exciting time of my life, but also extremely challenging at times because, you know, like I was kind of the non-revenue generator, right? So as a female, I never really thought that I had any disadvantages. As a matter of fact, you know, I thought it was a differentiator and it did bring uh, some diversity of thought to the executive table and it was appreciated. That's kind of where I ended my career journey, journey in oil and gas sector specifically. And I decided to work, graduate and move on to my board career. So that's kind of the kind of whole oil and gas scenario. It's always so interesting to me how when you talk to women who have got to kind of your level in their career, how each step in the journey really leads on to the next and even though it may seem challenging at the time and I'm sure having your own business while also having two small children it must have been quite overwhelming at times but that really set you up for that next step and I think it's really an important lesson for us all to really embrace where we are in the moment you know because you Mm -hmm. never know where it's going to lead. So having served in oil and gas executive teams, and as you've just mentioned, on several company boards, would you say you've experienced any particular challenges as a female leader? And if so, how did you overcome these challenges? Well, you know, I honestly, this is going to sound unbelievable, but I, I never really felt that being female held me back. As a matter of fact, based on relationships you develop, creating trust relationships in your executive team or on the teams or on the boards that you're with. To me, it, it really doesn't matter whether you're male or female, right? If you're willing to, to roll up your sleeves and, and do what's needed to be done and be true to yourself, then I think you know people will definitely respect that. So I do recognize though, that I really felt like I had to work harder than my male counterparts. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but that was a decision I made. I didn't ever begrudge that because I knew I had to in order to create that trust and that equal position at the table. So, you know, people can say, yeah, well, I had to work. You know, I think it's a conscious choice that you have to make as to whether you're willing to make those sacrifices. You know, I had a great support system at home. And so 
I was able to do that and happily did that. You know, there were times when I felt there was a bit of disadvantage, more so with my job. Being um, senior vice president of corporate services kind of led to, oh, well, she's the GNA person. She's a non-revenue generator. So I don't think it would have mattered whether male or female, but I mean, at the time, costs or there could be a problem in IT or HR. And so sometimes you're kind of seen as the bearer of bad news and people start running the other way. But <laughs> the bottom line is they recognize that they had $7 billion worth of acquisitions to uh, integrate into the organization. And that, you know, we did a really good job of that systems and people integration. And so I did have a lot of respect from the executive team and from everyone in the organization, but my team and I worked on those very, very well. So, you know, it's not all about me because ultimately it's the team of people that you bring to the table that actually help you get there. So I, I want to be clear on that, that it wasn't me. I was leading it, but not necessarily the only one that was successful in that matter. I do have a major frustration though, because we do still have kind of a small, there's still a few of the old boys network still around. So I've experienced that on executive teams in the past. And, you know, that means that you have to do some more one-on-one kind of haggling with, (laughs) I hate to say haggling, but in a way you have to find a way to stand your ground as well as be accommodating and be consensus building and be collaborative you know, those types of things will help to get them on side. So that's, that can be a bit of a frustration. Also on the board side, you know, that's also the case. There's still a few old boys networks. And I'm really pleased to say that there certainly aren't as many as there were when I was in business in the oil and gas sector. But sometimes it just feels as though diversity of thought isn't always welcome. And it can be a huge barrier to overcome until such time as you have more than one woman on a board. So again, being true to yourself and your governance accountability, you just have to find a way to make it work. And usually it's about creating those trust relationships with either your executive team or your board members. And just, like I said, be true to yourself and do the best you can as far as what you bring to the table. But don't give up, right? It can be hard. Well, I mean, I think that's great advice just to take through into life that we all know that women can do the job. So when others kind of get to know who you are and as you say build that trust relationship there's no running away from the fact that you're highly capable and you can do it you know so Mm -hmm. I think as you say maybe a bit of a frustration that you have that extra step that you kind of have to take but I think it's inspiring to hear that if you do put in that extra kind of little bit of effort that those trust relationships really do help and hopefully in the next 20 years or so that won't even be as much of a problem going forward so yeah but very good to hear that you've been able to make it work well and you know and this is kind of just back to being true to yourself and the people at Suncor knew that I did this but I mean how old would I have been maybe 30 years old at Suncor we had this great petroleum club membership that all of the oil and gas club corporations belong to And it was the day when there were no women allowed into the petroleum club, you know, and so it was a real disadvantage to women who wanted to be a part of the discussion and part of the network in order to, you know, kind of break in a little bit. And so when it was Suncor's turn to renew their annual membership, it had gone to a board of directors and the board of directors were saying, no, we're not going to allow women again this year. And so I started a petition at 30 years old. (laughs) at Suncor and had every single woman in that organization sign it. 
and Suncor stood behind us, right? You know, sometimes you have to make a little bit of noise in a positive way. I mean, the petition was never meant to be negative. It was just like, we're showing you this is how we feel as your employees. You know, is this important to you, right? And, you know, kind of not to back them into a corner as much as for them to create that awareness. And so it created the awareness. And then what it did, honestly, and I'm I'm not taking full responsibility for this, but the following year, they started inviting women into the Petroleum Club. And I was one of the first to be a member. So, you know, it was just one of those things, right? Sometimes you have to fight hard for what you want, but you do it in a collegial way, because if you're seen as being a rebel, that's not necessarily a great, a great handle to have. So, yeah, that was just another example. Well, kudos to 30-year-old <laughs> for taking the stand. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Clearly you were leading from the very beginning. So <laughs> it's it you up for great things afterwards. <laughs> so we've kind of now mentioned your experience on several boards as a member. But you've also co-founded an organization dedicated to finding and highlighting board-ready and board-experienced women. So could you give our listeners a little bit more insight into what you do at Board Ready Women and what you aim to achieve with this organization? Very gladly. I mean, let let me kind of start from the beginning. Following my career in the energy sector, I made, I had a huge network of men and women, mostly men, because, you know, tech and executive teams tend to be men. And so after following my career and kind of looking for board opportunities, the first time I ever felt that being a female was a disadvantage, the first time, there was no doubt in my mind that after the network I'd created and the the reputation I had, that I would be joining a board in the sector in no time whatsoever. After two years of the phone not ringing, it was very frustrating to me. And so I really kind of took on my own path and started on lots of not-for-profit boards and crown corporations such as provincial, you know, I was chair of Alberta Research and Innovation. I am vice chair of Export Development Canada. So, you know, kind of got my experience that way. And then then I did get an, an offer to be on White Cat board as a director. So, you know, it did take some time and effort. I mean, it, it took uh, six years of doing that before you kind of get that opportunity But there's another reason why it happens, and it's because the oil and gas sector here in Calgary didn't really recognize the number of talented women that we have in Calgary and people that are board ready. You know, I really felt strongly that we needed to get these women recognized and we needed to create an awareness that, man, we have some great women in our city that are C-suite, that have tremendous experience on their own boards, like the boards of the companies they work for. So how can that not be some kind of experience that could lead them towards a board career? And then the other thing was that the other women that were constantly being selected because they were CEOs or they were CFOs, because people were really engineers, usually senior women that had those uh, skill sets we're now overboarded. So there's no more, there's no more women in Calgary. That's kind of how people felt. It's like, well, there aren't any qualified women. Well, if you're only looking at CEOs, then you're right. There's not going to be many. So this was just a real exercise in creating awareness. So myself and Jennifer Corey and Linda Hohall started Board Ready Women in 2018 with the one goal, which was help create awareness of the many talented women who are board ready and being overlooked. So many energy companies in Calgary still do not have the gender diversity on the boards. 
<clears throat> that bring that diversity of thought to the table. So we offer the newsletters, we offer quarterly networking sessions, we offer expert panel discussions that share real world experience. Like typically we're in Chatham House Rules because we want people to be able to share their experiences openly. We encourage that. We get a heck of a lot of fantastic speakers. We have a website full of resources and information about trends and board practices and qualifications, as well as mentoring. And we have board postings there. People can apply for them, et cetera. Plus, we create a profile of these women and find out, you know, what's your C-suite experience? What skill sets? What boards have you been on? What kinds of boards are you looking for? And then we'll do some matchmaking. So board postings go up. And if we're asked by the organizations, put the board postings up, we will actually do some matchmaking and give them their top 10 that they can start to talk to. And we don't get in the middle of that, but we just want to, again, encourage them to see, look, we actually do have people on this list that would qualify very well for this position. So, you know, we've done really, really well. We also do two board development workshops, which is what women need, right? They even though they're board ready, just kind of continuing to expand their knowledge of best practices and board experiences is really helpful. So we now have close to 150 members, 25 mentors, and partnerships with executive firms and corporate Calgary. So I really think that we're making a difference in the Calgary market. We're seeing a difference as far as awareness building and highlighting the female members who join boards. So very excited about what Board Ready Women has done not just for Calgary, but now we have about 10 members from across Canada that have also joined. So it's, it's growing and we're looking at ways to really make an impact because there's lots of organizations out there that kind of help with boards, but this to us is can be something that can differentiate from other organizations. So anyway, we're very excited. Well, I would be too. I mean, that's all sounds incredible. It- you seem to really hit the nail on the head in every aspect of what's really needed in highlighting and creating such a almost a database of really, as the name says, board ready women. Um, so, I mean, I just wish we could transplant your model to every city in the world. And I'm happy to do that. It's a not for profit. So I have absolutely no, no issue with that. The whole yeah. point is to get more women on boards. That's the yeah. whole purpose, right? Well, that's awesome. And I really would encourage anyone listening who is interested to kind of reach out and maybe discuss how you got to where you are and Mm -hmm. and see how that model could be transplanted in other places. Um, Mm -hmm. And people go to boardreadywomen.com and it's just that boardreadywomen.com and they can look and see what they think and for sure reach out. Welcome that. Perfect. So since you've been named Women's Energy Council Executive of the Year at our Canada Assembly, you are clearly an expert in what it takes to be a success as a female executive in the Canadian energy sector. So what advice would you give to women in middle management positions looking to do what we've just discussed to take their place as executive leaders or board members? Well, I don't think I'm an expert, but I'll certainly share, you know, the things that worked well for me. The very first thing on the top of the list is network, 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 every opportunity you have. And, you know, it's really difficult for women because typically, you know, we have that guilty mother complex, you know, we have kids at home and it's like, can I go for an hour and go to this function and meet people or should I really go home and be with my family? And so sometimes it's a tough, you're kind of being pulled both ways, but as much as you possibly can, 
you need to reach out and let people know who you are, right? We have so many resources in Calgary that kind of assist women in their careers. And you wouldn't believe it, but there's 115 of them. So there's women in capital markets. There's young women in energy. Direct her, which is women that are kind of middle management that are ready to kind of start to see what does a board career look like after I kind of get to the next level of my career. So there's many, many organizations that can help and assist people with career development goals. You know, you can develop your own internal career development plan and share it with your manager is the other thing. Don't just assume that your manager in your organization is going to know what your career aspirations are. So share your career development plan with your manager and gauge the receptivity of that and make sure that it aligns with theirs because it will tell you a lot about how far you're going to get in that organization or do you have to look The other thing that I would say is try not to be too impatient. You know, it it worked out well for me to kind of jump to a few companies from time to time, but you know, like you don't also don't want that on your resume, right? So, you know, try to be as patient as possible, but move when you have to. The other thing is Access Connects. Now, this is another initiative that myself and three other women started, Marnie Smith, Jenna Kay, and Katie Smith started three years ago to recognize and celebrate the incredible leaders that we have in our city through something called the Calgary Influential Women in Business Awards. And so what we do is we take the revenue that we generate from that. And oh, by the way, our first year pre-COVID, we generated about $300,000 that we could use to create a website, a technology hub, in order to start to bring all these women's organizations together so that the people that are looking for networking and they're looking for what would be the best use of my time busy, busy women, in order to create that network and build my career development goals, we've created that technology hub. And so that technology hub is there. We have 115 partners where people can go in and say, look, this is kind of what I'm looking for. We can make recommendations. We can show them the calendars of you know, activities for those other not-for-profit organizations. So we connect people together that way, but we also help women by creating a a profile of their career development objectives and suggest a few partner organizations that would be a good fit. And we also have a career development journey, career development workshops a few times every year. So we're really trying to create that pipeline of talent. And I think that that's a big part that is really missing is that we have, you know, a few executives that then go on to board work. We have some women that are in the middle of their careers, get to management positions, And then it seems like it's just a few of them that kind of go on to become, you know, VPs and, you know, in the executive table. So we really want to encourage and help women grow their career. And so that's what Access Connects is all about. And I'm really proud of that initiative too, because this year we're recognizing six amazing people. And oh, by the way, one of them is a man. And we have a male champion every year because guess what, ladies, we cannot do this on our own, right? We need to have men in our corner helping us and whether it's mentoring or just kind of getting to know them and having them make the introductions to other men. It's just the way it is. I've met so many men that have helped me through my career. So don't kind of stop just by looking at the women's organizations. Also by networking, you can also reach out and talk to a lot of the men. Help each other, right? Mentoring, help other people that have you know you've gone through that experience. Doesn't really matter where you are in your career. You know, reach out and help someone. I Again, you know, a lot of this has to do with the fact that we're busy, right? We're busy as moms, we're busy as, you know, in our career. And just sharing your stories and your knowledge can really help someone else, regardless of where you are in your career. So get reach out and mentor. 
And last but not least, and this is not going to be a popular one, okay? But I'm going to say it anyway. Take one step back, just one step back from the feminist platform. And the reason I say that is because if you truly kind of go all the way with the feminist platform, it makes us look like victims, right? It makes us look like, oh, we're female and we're victims. And and therefore, we'll never be considered equals, right? And so you have to figure out a way to, you know, hold on to that. I mean, geez, nobody's saying give that up hold on to it, but make sure you're being seen as an equal. So don't use that as a, as a, well, I'm a woman. And that's why I'm, you know, try and use it to your advantage by saying, I want to be an equal. And so what do I need to do to achieve that? Okay. So that's the most unpopular one typically because you have people that believe, and I believe in the feminist platform. There's no question. There's no question, but you have to be seen as an equal. So how do you do that without looking like a victim? Right. So just kind of, you know, thinking about that. So those are kind of my four areas of thought as far as what would help women in their careers and what they need to do. Oh, and be brave. You know, there's things that I took on that I never thought I could do. It's like, oh my God, what am I doing? And if you don't kind of take a leap of faith from time to time, then you're going to be in a situation where you're not going to know what to do. So sometimes you have to really push yourself to take on bigger and better things that you never thought you ever could. So be brave. Yeah, no, for sure. I think even something what kind of seems small in talking to your manager about your growth and development plan, that takes bravery and courage to say, you know, I know I'm here now, but this is where I want to be. And can you help me do that or get there? That in itself is a courageous step to take. So I think definitely, I think Be Brave kind of encompasses all of that. And definitely the networking, I think, Building relationship is really coming out to me as a really key takeaway from, mm-hmm. from everything you've said. If you build relationships, if you build that trust, as you said before, then kind of no one can deny your strengths and your abilities. So that networking piece, building relationships, building trust is really so important. And that's really going to get us on that equal footing that you've just spoken about. So definitely mm-hmm. all super encompassing advice. So thank you so much for that. So following up on that question, kind of we've now looked at what women can do. What do you think the Canadian energy industry as a whole could do to help more women reach those upper echelons of industry leadership? Well, I mean, one of the first things, and I and this is a this is a shameless plug, but honestly, supporting Access Connects. Access Connects is the pipeline that's going to allow corporations to have the diversity of thought and diversity of gender, ethnicity, etc. It's going to really give them way more opportunities as far as having more women available to take on these roles. So that's the first thing is support organizations like Access Connects and Board Ready Women, because ultimately what you want your people to be, your senior executive for sure, is to aspire to be a board member, because that allows them to bring those talents to your boardroom table and to your executive team table. So the supporting organizations that are already there is super important. But energy companies are starting to realize that they need more, more women, uh, gender diversity on their boards. And right now we're, we're moving in the right direction. We're close to about 18% gender diversity on, and I'm talking about Canadian oil and gas boards. I'm not sure about the rest of the world. Relative to where it was about three years ago when we started Board Ready Women, which is about 14%. So we're already making a we're moving the dial. We can see the dial moving, but you know, people are starting to get a lot of pressure from their proxy advisors and their shareholders. And so at least now they have, and employees, by the way, 
employees should be kind of saying this is important as well. We need some gender representation in the workforce as well as on the boards of the organizations that we are part of, right? They are getting tremendous pressure to get to that 30%. So I think if they can commit to it, come up with succession plans and look at ways to, you know, not displace male board members, right? That the idea is not to displace. The idea is to augment. It means you might have to expand your board. It means you might have to have some term limits if necessary. But there's ways to do it without men thinking, oh my God, they're coming in there. I think there's many ways you can do it without the fear of, of creating, again, further any kind of a controversy with a board. Again, as far as developing the these senior roles, there just has to be more flexibility also built into organizational culture and policies to allow women to achieve that work-life balance. And I think now more than ever, I mean, after COVID, I think we've all come to realize that we lost a lot of women in careers, career women uh, due to COVID because there was no one else that could be at home with the kids. And again, some, you know, sometimes we still do have some male dominance, not all the time, but I think we lost quite a few women and we call it a uh, rather than a recession, a she session, which is really, it's really kind of, it's it's disturbing, right? And I think the only way we're going to attract those people back, those women back, is by having more flexible policies and just the better embracing of leadership development to help create that pipeline of talent So and create that diverse representation. So I would say companies need to do that as well and really make sure that they are doing the the inclusion piece, right? I mean, it's one thing to say, yes, we have 50% employees in our organization. Well, is there pay equity, right? Is there representation, you know, in the various management positions and senior executive positions? Are you conscious about it? Or do you have an unconscious bias? So it's really just asking yourself those questions. And I think definitely the larger oil and gas corporations have, have that figured out. They really do. I have seen tremendous progress. And then there's some that just, they could be smaller or they just still in the dark ages, which is still happening. It's not the majority, but there's a few. That's my thoughts on that. No, definitely. I think it's a multifaceted issue that companies have to deal with. Definitely creating that inclusion. And I think what you were mentioning about flexible working policies really comes into that inclusion piece. And how do you make sure that People are not only given the jobs, but they feel happy and comfortable and capable Mm. in those jobs, I think is really key. So definitely all great advice. So we've already come to the end of our episode. I've really enjoyed Mm. our discussion Mm -hmm. so far. It feels like it's flown by and some really, really interesting insights from you so far. But My last question is always kind of coming back to you and your own accomplishments. And since we aim to champion women's voices and achievements at the Women's Energy Council, I always like to end off our conversations by asking if you could choose an achievement in your career that you're most proud of, what would it be? Well, I mean, am I allowed to say that this award is pretty important to me? And you you want to know why? It's because it was an award that I received through a selection process of my peers. And there is nothing that means more to me than that. Honestly, to see women stepping up for women and supporting women to me is what's going to change the trajectory on this. So having an award like this just gives us all the opportunity to do that and help other women in their career and, and help inspire them 
It just gives me great pride to assist women now with Board Ready Women and Access Connects because it's been long overdue and we can now have a positive impact for the amazing women in our city. So so to, to get the recognition for doing that, I'm just thrilled and honoured to be the recipient of this award. It just means a lot. Well, it's such a pleasure. I mean, from everything that you've spoken about in this episode, it's truly well-deserved. And I think you really have set an example for other women wanting to do similar projects and programs and really have a practical way to build that pipeline in their own industries, in their own cities and countries. I think you've really provided an awesome example and clearly all of your peers think so too. So really again, (laughs) a hearty congratulations from us at the Women's Energy Council. And thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's really been so wonderful chatting to you. And I can't wait to see all the pictures from the great evening where you actually finally get to hold the award in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so looking forward to that night, I can't tell you. So thank you so much, Emma. It's just been a, a real pleasure to get to know you as well. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next time to hear more valuable insights from others leading transformation in the energy industry.